Welcome to the Give Pause a Chance podcast, where we discuss every John Lennon song about Yoko Ono. Oh no. Tonight, we will be discussing one of the earliest non-Beatles songs, Oh Yoko, which interestingly enough has been covered by another of my favorite bands. Um, but before we get to that, I'd like to introduce my co-host for, night, for tonight, Heidi and Aaron. Oh, hey, no. everybody. Oh, no. <laughs> Did I get I it wrong? Am I doing the wrong podcast tonight? I think you, uh, oh, no, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, I call your name. Oh, Yoko. Oh, Yoko. My love will turn you on. Oh, so we are doing that song. Okay, good, good, yeah. We're just doing the, the Bare Naked Ladies version tonight. Is that right? In the middle of a shame. In the middle of a shame, I call your name. In the middle of a dream. In the middle of a dream, I call your name. I think you've got some instant karma headed your way. Oh, good one, Aaron. Good one, Aaron. (laughs) So, yeah, we're discussing the Bare Naked Ladies version off the Instant Karma album, which was done by Amnesty International campaign uh, to to raise money to save Darfur um, at the time that they were having a major war and problem. Um, This version of the song you can find on the complete recordings if you buy just the 24 disc i mean the 24 song disc or or double disc set then you will not get this Mm. you have to get the total 61 61 song discs yeah i'm not sure it's worth the 61 no i don't know I don't know, depending on how much it costs. Like it it, it was for a good cause, right? I don't know. It was for a good cause. Did we save Darfur? I I think so, but okay. (laughs) They so I make sure uh, it made a difference. My guess is that the money now goes to something else, like it's just Amnesty. So Yoko gave all of John Lennon's songs to Amnesty International, all the rights and and. Uh, earnings from the songs to Amnesty International Um, and they decided to then because there was so much of a call um, and so many bands wanted to do it that's when they're like you know what let's make an album out of this to release instead of just a few releases and that's when they did the whole the whole uh, 24 disc set but then they had even more people so they're like all right we'll release the whole complete recordings of all 61 bands um, and this was back in 2007. 
Um, I think the money still goes to Amnesty International at this point. They still have the rights and reserves for it. So, uh, but yeah. A lot of good bands on there. He had the Deftones, Duran Duran. Oh, I used to love the Deftones. You too. <laughs> I thought you meant you too. You also used to like the Deftones. You too, Duran. Well, you too never met a. You two never met a cause they didn't like. So. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Willie Nelson. Oh, yeah. The like, Cure. Nice. Regina Spector, Postal Service. The usual suspects, yeah. <laughs> Willie Nelson. Like, yeah. got far I mean, come on. <laughs> Flaming Lips. Flaming Lips, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a real... Mick Fleetwood, Jackson Brown. Hmm. Like, there's some really great bands on here. Great bands. Um, R.E.M., The Cure, Green Day. And, and all the, band all the, the best band. bands of 2007. <laughs> Dijon bands of 2007. <laughs> yes, the fanciest Dijon band. The fanciest Dijon band. I mean, before we go into the BNL version, um, I would like to kind of discuss one, the original Oyoko song. And then also, I'd like to discuss like more of what this album really kind of has on it. Um, I mean, this was a pretty big seller. The digital version of this album actually hit number one on iTunes in Portugal. Ireland, Greece, Denmark, and Luxembourg. Jeez. And the physical album actually reached number one in Ireland and Mexico. And it wow. did pretty well in the United States too. So, and interestingly enough, there, the Ozzy Osbourne song that was recorded for this album did not get added to even the 61 song disc. And really? He recorded a version of How and they held on to it and then later re- released it as another re- another way to raise money for another cause later on. I'm going to have to look that up because I like John Lennon and I like Ozzy Osbourne. It's interesting. It's a, it's a very interesting version. Um, and you, you, but you also have... What an interesting... You've got Avril Lavigne and Big yeah. and Rich and oh, Black yeah. and like it's such an eclectic like i wanted to go over some of these like some of them are really interesting it it starts off with nobody told me by abdul wright and it's a reggae reggae version of nobody told me which is really really intriguing because i've always thought nobody told me had a very uh reggae type feeling to the to the beat of it um, and to hear it actually done full reggae is really cool. But then the next song after that is Give Peace a Chance. I, I personally, I, I'm sorry, John, I hate the song Give Peace a Chance. But Great. it's all we're saying is Give Peace a Chance. <laughs> I gave it a chance and saying. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, it's too repetitive for me. Um, but I get, I get the purpose for it and I get how big it was and I get what they were saying. Um, I mean, they tell us several times. Well, all they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the version on this album is done in reggae with Aerosmith. And I was like, yeah, this is really neat. 
Um, and then they do a reggae version of Imagine. That's kind of cool. AHA's yeah. version of Number Nine Dream is the first non-reggae version we have on this album. And it, it it's this great, almost like early 80s soft rock type version of, of the song, which is, and I, w- I wrote down intriguing. And then did you guys listen to the um, Love song, which I think is number four or five? No. It's done by Angelique Montigny. And I think I could be wrong. I think she takes the song and turns it into a minor chord progression, hmm. which actually gives it a really, really sad tinge to this song. I'd be curious to hear that. Have you heard the song where someone took um, Let It Be and put it through Melodyne and turned it into minor? No. Uh, Wow. Yeah, that was that was real interesting. It's much more of a, res- a, a resignation feel <laughs> than, <laughs> than a kind of moving on positive feel. It's really interesting. Um, now, for people that like techno, there's techno on here as well. Um, so there's DJ MJ doing Power to the People, which is is very techno. The people. <laughs> and then we have the Deftones doing a heavy metal electronica version of Jealous Guy, um, which really, in some ways, actually really resonates with that song. It, it comes across as a very angry type version of Jealous Guy. Hmm. Um, and then there's could, this beautiful Calypso version of Beautiful Boy by uh, Fleshly Ground, which is just like, I was like, I could listen to this all day. It's a great, amazing version. And it's of, a beautiful song anyway. Like It is. Paul it is actually, song. Paul was talking with uh, one of John's kids. I don't remember which one off the top of my head. I want to say it was his young, his oldest. Um they were interviewing each other and Paul said that that was one of his favorite solo John Lennon songs. And, I, and I've always loved it. Yeah. I mean, it's a great song. It's um, I'm a big fan of watching the wheels. Uh, yeah, and I've mm-hmm. There's a really yeah. cool version of what you would expect. Green Day singing working class hero. <laughs> yeah, that's that's about a perfect, perfect. Outside of maybe Bob Dylan, that's a yeah, exactly. yeah, perfect choice. They're like, we can't get Bob Dylan. Let's go with Green Day. Green Day would cover that. Um, and then there's two different versions of whatever gets you through the night. One is great like song. a French punk sound and then the other one's like the slow Latin type version Hmm. very intriguing REM's number nine dream and the cures love sound exactly what you would expect them to sound like yeah Avin Rosdale does mind games too that's really interesting Mm. Mm -hmm. makes sense Um, Tokyo Hotel did a version of instant karma that was very reminiscent of Marilyn Manson Oh, that's real interesting. Uh, I don't know who Snow Patrol are. Apologies. But oh, they did Snow Patrol. Chasing oh, okay. cars. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure I've heard the Snow Patrol. Irish, Northern Irish. That's an important yeah. distinction. Slash Scottish mm-hmm. rock band. Interesting. 
Um, I'll have to check it out because I love isolation. That's one of my favorite lines. We'll do it all, everything (laughs) on our own. If I lay here, if I just lay here, that's chasing cars. Uh, That's Snow Patrol. Yeah. Okay. That's about the only sign that most people know about Snow Patrol. I'll have to check out their isolation cover because that sounds pretty good. It sounds well very similar to that um, in terms of like the the sound like makes a lot of sense with with what they're covering. Um, so yeah, it's a like I think anyone could go out to this album. I'm pretty stoked about Jacob Dylan being on the album too because I really it loved the Wallflowers. Jacob and- Dylan yeah, and the underrated i agree i i really loved their first album um i mean one headlight was overplayed but the rest of the album was really really i thought really tight sixth avenue of heartache that's one that's probably my favorite tune it's such a good tune and it was a great album and i listened to that cd a lot when it came out and he does the he does that song with with danny harrison Wow. Which mm, it, when I listen to it, I'm like, yep, I could this is very much a Jacob Dylan take on this song, but it okay. works. So now I'm sold. I will be listening to the whole album um over the next few days. It, it is right, intri- so- it's really great. I mean everyone will find something that they like off this album, really. Cool. Major tangent, but I don't know if you guys are into Sean Lennon at all. I think he's fantastic. He's got some really great solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I recall going to see the Lennon Claypool Delirium live. Oh, and wow. if you're a Primus fan, and if you're a Sean Lennon crazy. fan, that's a dream come true. And uh, they played basically my favorite Primus song, Southbound Pachyderm, and they played one of my favorite Beatles tunes, Dear Prudence. So it was really cool Ooh. to see them playing those together. That would Anyways, be interesting to listen to. Recommend, recommend highly the Lenny Claypool Delirium. It's kind of nice, like <laughs> basically um, psychedelic rock uh, as as channeled through Les Claypool and and Sean Lennon. So, <laughs> but uh, why don't we get to talking a little bit about Oh Yoko, um, which like one of the things about this album is there are multiple versions of the same song. Um, I don't know who I, I'm guessing that each band decided what they wanted to cover. Yeah. Cause if, if the record company were doing it, they would, they would parse it out. So it was much more spread even. And it wasn't like the big imagine was covered like five times, um, <laughs> right. which, which is fine. But I, I, that just leads me to believe that each, each band decided what they wanted to choose. Um, which, which brings me to wonder what, made bnl i'm not saying it was a bad choice but what made bnl choose they have a song (laughs) they had to have a song called be my yoko ono Ono. yeah that's i think that's the reason when when (laughs) i say that though what the reason i say it is oh yoko is a very personal tune yeah Um, it's a good song too it is but john lennon the record company wanted to release it as a single off the imagine album and yeah. John Lennon said no, which to me just tells me that it, it's not that he didn't believe in the song. It's that he I think he felt it was too much for a personal song to release as a single. Could be. He was also just a major contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, he, you never get that with any of his music. Oh, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I, I wonder if. 
I, I just want like it, it is, seems like such a personal song. It was like, okay, that's an interesting choice to go with something that is very much about one specific person. Um, it's not that they don't do a great well, job with it. Well, it's a very specific song, but it's also, I think, fairly universal in its theming. It's very simple, you know. It's it's a it's a it's a classic ballad. It's a love song through and through. And I think what I like about it is, you know, John has always been my favorite Beatle. I think um, growing up, you know, as a teen, an edgy, angsty teen, you know, I liked that he was a little more aloof and a little more ironic. But this is John at his most sincere and uh, mm -hmm. his most, you know, just kind of bare and not being ironic, not being aloof or, or anything, just putting his heart on his sleeve and just writing a straight up, very, very simple, very sincere love song. And I think that's one of the things I like so much about this song. It, yeah. it is extremely simple, right. With a lot of verses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like folk in that sense. It's, it's yeah. like, especially we'll get into it, but yeah, the, the, the chorus barely differs from the verse. It's right. pretty much a three chord song. <laughs> right. It, I mean, it is a very simple song and it does, it's very repetitive, but mm -hmm. I I don't get bored of it. Like it's it's enjoyable enough and and playful enough and bouncy enough that it it pulls me along for the ride. Um, I mean, that's just me and that's my opinion. But um, I've also said in the past I hate repetitive songs. So like, there's something about this one that works better and really gets caught. Like this more than give things a chance is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I I think it's. The give piece of chance is so repetitive in that it keeps repeating exactly the same word over and over and over and over and over that I'm just like, okay, enough. Um, this one is bouncy, and I think that's why I like it more with that repetition, but also there's it's repetitive, but there's a lot of breaks in between. There's a pattern that's more repetitive than anything else. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I got, yeah, it's almost more like a folk song in, in that sense, but there's still there's still some differentiation. Yeah, I know. I mean, to give peace a chance is more or less. It, it's more of a songified, if, if I can coin a phrase, uh, like a songified uh, protest chant. You know what I mean? More first, mm -hmm. it's like a it's like a protest chant first that it, it kind of turned into a song via recording and. Um, this this is more of a this is more of a folksy ballad kind of, but like with the kind of pop rock eighties uh, seventies eighties sensibilities that you'd expect from, from Lennon. Yeah, because this song was used in the in the film Rushmore. Rushmore, right? So yeah, I I knew this was in Rushmore. I actually made notes about it. I was going to talk about it. I love Rushmore. Yeah, I, lo I love John Lennon. I love Wes Anderson. Yeah, I was actually I wrote in my notes. I can't hear this even this version without thinking about Rushmore. Yeah, I thought it was the original in in Rushmore. It was. It was. Okay. Love love that love that movie. It's a great montage. I haven't seen it in forever, but it, it it's used to great effect in that movie. Yes. Um. Let's talk about the difference between this version and the original. So the, I think they're me. Per, okay. I you don't want to get into first? the, like, which one I like. Yeah. Why don't we break it down? Let's go with that. Aaron, right. do you want to break it down or Heidi, do you want to break it down? Let's take okay, you, you, why don't you start? <laughs> I'm curious. Okay. Um, 
All right. So Oyoko, this version by Bare Naked Ladies was recorded at 170 beats per minute. That's what I and have. performed in the key of C major. I was right. Which, if I were the pianist for this tune, I would have died of relief. Since I the know. original the original was recorded in the C key sharp. of B flat or C sharp, which is just a small step shy worse than C flat, in my opinion. Aaron, can I just say how happy I am? Because I said this to Tracy last night. I was like, okay, so I searched and searched, and I got a lot of different information uh, when I tried to plug it. And so I, I finally just sat down at the piano. I was like, oh, yeah. wait, this isn't C. Yeah, C. What the heck? And I was right. <laughs> I wanted yeah, to yeah. see what Aaron was going to say to see if it matched up with what you said last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, so a little background on me. I'm a, I'm a vocalist and a drummer first, and I'm, uh, I'm a pianist or, or, you know, synthesizer player, <laughs> uh, a distant third. So for me, if someone, you know, first of all, I, I'm, I'm, unprofessional enough that I usually don't use sheet music, but if someone does put sheet music in front of me and I see more than a few accidentals in the key signature, I'm going to throw something. So, uh, yeah, if I see something in, in like, uh, if I see something in C flat or, you know, uh, I don't know, E sharp or something ridiculous, I'm, I'm going to get angry. So yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would have paid it to have played it in the original key signature, but C, uh, C major is obviously, C major and A, A minor, basically the two easiest keys to play uh, on the piano. So, yeah, very nice there. Um, the verse structure, very simple. It's uh, C, G, A minor, very simple. So one, five, six. Uh, the chorus is C to G, then back mm -hmm. to C, and then C to G to A. So it's kind of cuts out the, uh, the, the six or the A minor for the first mm -hmm. time, then it goes back to the regular. And then we go to the F major chord for the turnaround. My love yep. will turn you on. Which and is... that's pretty much it, unless yep. I missed something, Heidi. We have a, nope. maybe a passing chord here or there. Nope. But... I got the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I have a few, like a, I have a, a three seven there as a passing chord mm. at one point. But, yeah. um, but overall, it was pretty much that <laughs> but i was like because so, um tracy asked yesterday uh when we were discussing when we were not going to have the, the meeting but we discussed a little bit why you would go just a half step and i said it's probably huh. because it was easier oh it makes um, a world of difference to play. For the it makes player. a world of difference <laughs> and because it's piano based playing at c sharp's a pain in the butt oh my god i would have uh, I mean, I don't know why well, so Tracy, if you don't know, C has no sharps and no flats. C sharp okay. has seven. Has all, all yeah, of oh them. Gosh. Everything is sharp and flat. So not just all of the black keys, but also you're playing an E sharp, which is an F. You're playing a B sharp, which is a C. Sharp, which is C. So it's very complicated. So when you ask yeah. why, because there's so much piano in this song, I'm sure that Kevin was like, oh, hell no. Um, <laughs> like, and, and Tracy's down like, half really talented. Yeah. I was like, no, it's 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 a whole it's different It's confusing. And it's like unnecessary necessarily confusing you know like yeah. i can't see the only reason i mentioned c flat c flat's almost like a joke scale it's like something you do to troll someone because yeah. it's basically it's just b it right really but is. you just write it in a confusing way <laughs> so. 
<laughs> well, uh, John liked to do that where he yeah, learned he things. Was, and... He was kind of a troll, so I could see do that. <laughs> but like the piano playing on the original is amazing considering what you just told me then. I believe maybe it was a different tune. He had a, he had a guest pianist. Yes. Um, I'm not sure if it was for this tune or if it was for Instant Karma. Was uh, it was. I'm going to pull it up right now. It was, an, it was um, another British rocker dude who passed away in the 90s, if I remember correctly. I can't remember who it was. I'll say it was uh, a hold Chris, on one Chris second. Something. I can tell you. Uh, the piano player was uh, Nicky Hopkins, who played yes, a lot okay, for Rolling okay. Stones, Kinks. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. But, but he must uh, have been cursing John Lennon. <laughs> like, John, mate, why couldn't you just make it in C? <laughs> he, he wanted to show off that extra half step of range when he went for the high note, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it couldn't have been. I mean, it was a half step down. It's not like it could have been that uncomfortable. For, it wasn't that, yeah, that, he had to have been, been doing that for maybe an inside joke. The, other, the, other, the only other counter argument I could think of is that John... Uh, famously was, you know, not like a, um, a music theory kind of guy. So he would just kind of sit down at the piano and play something. Yeah. Um, so it's possible he just kind of started playing and that's what it ended up being in. But even then, like for someone who, you know, is kind of just like plunks around on the key- on the keyboard, you know, I-, I would much rather do it in C. <laughs> well, my guess is that he actually... My guess is he actually started this with guitar um, yeah, because be. he wrote be. it when he was in India in 1968. Yeah. Um, guitarist, so, man, uh, they don't care. They just slide their hand up and down the <laughs> neck. It's so easy for them. So true. Yeah. Like when it comes oh, down to it, he liked to just plink. He he was not a music theory guy. He even would and, say, like, yeah. I, I know nothing about theory. What's interesting, too, is, is and Aaron, I might agree with me here, is if you just play black keys and c-sharp if you don't know what you're doing you can make it sound really really cool because there's a lot of pentatonic scales going on it's very bluesy sound so you can not know anything about what you're doing i mean you know that all there like all of that stuff pentatonic scale is that's all black keys or those keys so you can see how it would be easy for somebody that wasn't. However, if you're trained and you're like, oh my God, forget about this. like this is nuts. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, that's actually, you know what, Heidi, yeah. that's actually really, really insightful because the more I think about it, they came from a blues background where like classic mm-hmm. rock and roll yeah. evolved from the blues. And you are absolutely correct. When I learned music, it was like a classical thing where you start with C major mm-hmm. and then they start introducing accidental. So you go to F and B flat and stuff like that. Right. But I'm sure they learned like B flat blues first. That was probably the first thing they learned that in the pentatonic scale. So you're absolutely right. That's probably exactly where that, because well, they come from that blues background. And apparently mm. the melody being inspired by like more of a folk song by Lonnie Donegan, that makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. Um. So like, hold on, I'm trying to find the Lonnie Donegan song. I, I listened to it and it's, I can see the inspiration. It does not sound anything similar to but it. Like in terms was, of like. 
he was the king of Skiffle. What? Wait, Skiffle. What is British okay. Skiffle? Skiffle okay, is so how Skiffle the Beatles is actually started. What the Beatles, yeah. Right. It's, it's basically like rocked up versions of old blues songs. Or not yep. blues, like folk songs. Like My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean was right. one of the first Beatles tunes. Right. So that's Skiffle. They, they took it and they shuffled it. They, they swung it and they put some mild distortion i guess on <laughs> maybe well and that's what the even... quarrymen were like the, yeah, quarrymen, the quarrymen did skiffle, skiffle almost band. yeah and and that's really oh, yeah, what I'm john and about, paul like, were wabash big on. cannonball i sh- i'm alabama yeah. bound wreck of the old 97 yeah. frankie old and johnny time. these are definitely yeah. just traditional old folk songs so that makes oh, a yeah. total sense of why it's in the key that it's in. Yeah, they probably learned on all those old blues <laughs> keys. And so when he first sat down at the piano, he was probably like, oh, yeah, and started on B flat and went up the pentatonic <laughs> scale. And yeah, I bet you're absolutely right. So oh, it's just yeah. approaching things from a different starting point. I just would love to know what, what, you're Nick, used to. what Nicky thought when he came in and had to do the piano, if he was like, oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm the kind of guy who if somebody handed me a C sharp. I, I would probably just have to sit down with it for a little while and then kind of work it out in my head because I would be so tempted every time I was going to play. It's just unnatural to, to, to play and quote unquote E sharp. You know what I mean? Cause you're playing F and it's just, it's so contrary in your head. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare for me. I'm sure somebody has been playing piano like in bands for years you know what i mean i've played quote unquote for years but like i probably well, and, like you had mentioned like, like he he played with with the rolling stones he played yeah. with the kinks like this is a guy that played with a lots of blues based bands so it probably yeah, wasn't so- that difficult for him to be honest but for me i i would run away screaming I so I don't know if this is because of the keys, like the change in chord, or if this is because of the way that John's voice is. I think the big difference between the two versions is John's comes off as more relaxing. Yeah. And BNL's comes off as powerful. Yeah, they put a little more um they put a little more power behind it. Which I liked, you know, I appreciated it. I think I, I prefer the original. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. And that's, you know, A, because I'm a huge John Lennon fan. And I just love, I really do enjoy this song. Uh, and, and B, I think that his his is more tender and heartfelt and sweet. Um, and this is still like, I, I 100 fully percent, like I know that uh, the Steven Ed are big, you know, Beatles fans. And I'm sure they really legitimately love this song too. And I don't really hear, it's not like one of those covers. We've had a few covers now that we've talked about where they were kind of taking the piss as the Brits would say. They were definitely <laughs> taking this seriously and they clearly they clearly care about this song. So it's a well done cover. It's very good. But yeah, well, the feel is probably the biggest a, difference. I think you bring up a good point though. Like there's a difference between loving the song and loving the person the song is about. Mm. And I think that that's kind of that thing that's different is John is singing about this person that he yeah. loves so dearly and it comes across as tender and, and his voice leads to that anyways. That's his voice naturally um, versus, you know, B&L love this song and you can hear the joy in it, but that's joy is different than love is different than tenderness, you know? Yeah, I, I know. I totally agree. I mean, First of all, when you when you listen to the lyrics of, of Be My Yoko Ono, 
you can tell, I mean, they're being silly, but they're also kind of legitimately saying like, Hey, you know, don't, don't blame the breakup on Yoko. Cause it really right. wasn't her fault. You know, she was blamed when it was really more like about money and artistic differences and ego. Um, oh, yeah. It was way more about those things than anything that any part that Yoko may have played. And in fact, it's kind of, that we're talking about this now because of the uh the new the new peter jackson documentary that came out right and you can really see like i love that yoko's there but she's not like she's just knitting <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean she's, she's not do their thing she's not like bossing people around or doing anything no. like the way that you've heard all these tales and people just so interesting yeah yeah, yeah. It's and, like and just, paul puts it great that when when he's sitting there and they're talking when john's not around that day that that harrison left and the day that john didn't show up because harrison was gone and or that he was an, you know like six hours right. late right. um and Paul's talking, he's like, you know what? I understand where Jaws coming from. They're in love. They want to be around each other all the time. And she's really not that invasive. She's yeah. just here. Right. Like in the meeting, she was a little bit, she was talking for John all the time. But when it comes down to it, like when it's music business, when it's the, the process of making the music, she's not there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So I, I no, I think it's like what the urban legend of it all has become the bigger story of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and they pointed out that I saw this one YouTuber that was talking about it and they, they pointed out like the person that we see on get back that was doing the documentary, he kind of had it in for certain people and had an anger about it and had had an anger about the fact there was no direction for the film um, when they were filming it. And he even mentions like, we don't have a, a direction for this film. We don't have a plot line. We don't have anywhere we're going with it. Um, and I think he decided he was going to make a plot line that happened when they did it, when they did the let it be film, like I'm going to make something happen here that, that will interest people, but it's, it's not, it's pretty frustrating to see them getting along 90% of the time. And even their arguments aren't really that heated. Yeah. A lot of that was overblown and, and, and dramatized. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of why I, I was kind of wincing when I first started watching because I, the, was like get back or whatever the original um was there was a lot of acrimony but that was apparently like condensed from like what was it 90 hours or something like that or more of uh, <laughs> over 100 hours of footage that's yeah. what they chose so it was definitely telling a story i mean look i thinking back on some of my band rehearsals if you took the worst things we said to each other during all those rehearsals we'd sound like we hated each other but we loved <laughs> no each other. kidding yeah, so I mean, you can watch it and you can you can see that okay, yes, Paul can be controlling at times, and you know when Paul loves a song, he'll make you repeat it over and over and over <laughs> again until it's dead to you, um, like Maxwell's Silver Hammer, which is mm. why the rest of the band hated it, and he's like, <laughs> I love this song. Yeah, um, you know he he had that tenacity about him. Um, and you can see that would get back because there are certain songs that they literally play for the full day and he's and they're like, oh, can yeah. we please be done with this? Right. <laughs> um, but it, they never appeared like outwardly like furious about it. Like it was it was the most tame anger outbursts I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, I like Yoko. Um, I, I think 
a lot of the stuff that she does is very experimental. And I think a lot of people don't, I don't want to say they don't understand it, but they just don't care to maybe they don't, they don't really take the time. Like she's, I, I remember reading a book where she had different like songs or like some of the, I think she called them songs, but some of them were just like instructions. So it would be like, take a, take a Mason jar and then put it under a light bulb <laughs> for a minute and then put the, the lid on the jar. And then now you have a jar of that light bulb's light or something like that. You know, it's like, I, I think it's kind of fun and interesting and funny what, what she did. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, she's just pretentious or whatever. And it's like, I think yeah, she's she, being playful all the time. Yeah. I mean, she, she was a, different type of artist she was very much like what modern and postmodern art yeah. is compared to like renaissance classic art mm. and there's nothing wrong with that you either like it or you don't speaking of like it or don't uh <laughs> steven has covered this song twice on Ooh. his live from home concert yeah i saw that too very interesting and but it's a good song for steven it is oh yeah it is. It, is. And it just fits his voice so well. I do yeah. love the harmony, though. I made th those are my notes. Uh, so hold on, let me. Wait. Uh, oh, yeah. So I said the the reverb is actually pretty reminiscent of what Lennon used on that album. Mm. So I got this real nostalgic feeling from the reverb. I love the high tremolo organ solo uh, between the organ and the harmonica mm. work. It almost has like a Dylan esque sound, save for the mm. vocals, of course. And speaking of which, I love the vocal harmonies. Um, oh. That's probably the best part of this tune. I agree. I don't know if that's <laughs> Steven doubling up on himself, um, doing the harmonies and the leads, or if it's Ed it's doing Steven the Ed, backs. But it's hard to tell. You're right. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah, but well, they have them blended so well together, you can't really easily pull them out. Right. Right. Which to me, that's a sign of an excellent harmony when you can't when when you can't pull them out because they blend so beautifully together. Yeah, so, it would be like um, Simon and Garfunkel. I listened to this a lot over the last week. Um, 20 times is definitely an underestimate. Um, and I did not notice until I had my speakers on blast because the family wasn't home the other day. Nothing you decided, can do that can't be done. Yes! yes. The, that, at the very a, end. I love like, that little detail. The, all you need is love lyrics at the fade out. I love that. Which is hilarious because John Lennon's stuff was was given to Amnesty, but the Beatles stuff was not. That's a different catalog. Yeah. So, um, well, didn't Michael Michael Jackson own that for a long time? Oh yeah, he yeah. yeah, still does. Um, well, so I'm I'm he sitting there anymore because well, <laughs> he doesn't own anything, Tracy. He doesn't own anything. <laughs> His estate owns it. Well, that got dark um, real quick. Wow. <laughs> but I I love the fact that like they that's definitely copyright infringement, but they don't care. They just mix it in really low. I mean, it was for charity. <laughs> They're not making money off of it. They're helping people. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I look. I'm sure that somewhere there was a lawyer that would take that case, but I mean, have a heart. <laughs> I was gonna say that's kind of just cruelty at that point. <laughs> the whistling during the bridge too. Oh mm. yeah. Which made me think of um, Jealous Guy. Mm. It was a nice little addition, a nice little, like, it, it, it very much rung true for Lennon because he liked to yeah. use that yeah. as well. Um, going into, like, the, the lyrics of this are the, the simplicity of just the five words, night, bath, 
shave dream cloud yeah and i'm wondering if there's any i don't think there's any real significance to that i think it's just the the daily mundane things that you do and you're still overwhelmed by this one being and i think that's the beauty of it it's not it's very simple and mundane instead of Mm -hmm. being ethereal and you know in the stars we walk together or any like crap like that it's like hey in the middle of the night when i'm in bed uh when i'm taking a bath (laughs) when i'm shaving my face um, and then it goes on to dream and cloud, but the, you know, he starts off very mundane, like the, the usual kind of mm-hmm. stuff you do with your, your significant. I think that describes John and Yoko so well. Like there are couples that like, they, yeah. they're, they are connected. John and Yoko were intertwined. And I think this describes that very well. And I think the love is what made it kind of ethereal. Like it turns the mundane into something more. Mm-hmm. And you hear it in in the way that the song is written, that he really, tr- does he ever say that he loves her in this song? I don't believe so. Because my love will turn you on, but no. My yeah, love I mean. will turn you on, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you just get the feeling that this guy is totally infatuated. Yeah, it really comes through in the, in the simplicity and then the earnestness of the song what i really like about it and as mentioned yes ever since watching rushmore for the first time i can't hear this song in any form without thinking of that film thank you wes anderson although i actually don't mind because i really do love the flick mm-hmm. but yeah i mean uh, it's very so that's, that's about it you know it's a simple song but it's done very well both the original and the cover i really like um i personally like the original just a bit better, but I mean, come on, that's like you're, you're going up against the Michael Jordan of the, uh, the <laughs> pop rock ballad, right? So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Now, if they had redone Imagine, we might have more words, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think I agree with Aaron. But I think that's I, another reason that that's a good choice. Like, how do you, unless you're going to do a completely different take on this, on Imagine? Why would you bother doing well? Uh, a, a perfect circle did a really interesting, very minor, dark take on Imagine, and uh, Godhead did a pretty great cover of uh, Eleanor Rigby. Boingo Boingo covered I Am the Walrus, and it was Ooh. pretty good. Uh, but that's the thing I always say like, if you're going to cover the Beatles or Nirvana or some iconic band like that, you better either make it your own and or make mm-hmm. it really good <laughs> because otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it's just going to go down the tubes. Well, that's the thing is you're going to be get yourself compared to the Beatles. Yeah, who you can't help but make the comparison. That's the whole. It's it's exactly. there in, in the structure. And and because of that, you're comparing yourself to what people would say is the best band of all time, and you're going to therefore come across come across lack, lackluster next to that. Um, versus, and if you make it your own, like a lot of bands on this album did, yeah, they changed then, the style and the feel completely. That's that's the smart way to go. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're going to do a song where you're very, very religious to it, and and then do a song that's less well known, like this one. Yeah, my band covered um, "Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite" of all songs. Really. Yeah, that would be. I'm sure there's a recording somewhere. I don't have one on hand, but I think I have an old mini disc somewhere. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) 
That's amazing. That was a fun one to do. That was we were a very circusy kind of band, so it fit our it fit our aesthetic pretty well. That would fit your yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> well, speaking about how well this a song fits, <laughs> let's discuss how well we feel that BNL did with this song, this cover. Well, what's our um, rating system? We don't have Jeff. Heidi, you want to do this one? Uh, let's see. Um, oh my goodness, what can we? <laughs> not to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, like sh- I'm thinking of the words: night, bath, shave, dream, cloud. Um, How many P's do we give a chance to? <laughs> How many karmas? Ooh, yeah. How many instant karmas? How, how many, many darfers? How many darfers? Oh, I don't, I don't know if that's appropriate. Uh, that's a really yeah. dark turn. Uh, I, I was going to go with just how many Yokos. Yeah, okay, we can do that. How many Yokos? Honestly, yeah. Probably, I'm, probably I'm, I'm too to tired to think at this point. How many, how many mason jars full of light? Right. Well, <laughs> jars full of light, exactly. Um. <laughs> Heidi, how many jars full of light do you uh, give this? How I many like jars that. of light? Um, <laughs> a million jars of light. I would give this, um, like Aaron said, I am pretty much in alignment fully. I'm, I'm just really super proud of myself that we have the exact same uh, harmonic analysis. Um, so that makes me happy. Yes, um, I also like the original better, but because it's a love song from one human to another, it's always yeah. going to be better from the original artist. Um, but I give it, it's not, it's a really well done um, mm. re- remake, I feel. So I'm going to give it a 4.3. Oh, nice. Very nice. All right. All right. What's Aaron, like what about you? Well, Heidi, I got to ask, was that a George H.W. Bush reference? <laughs> a million points of light. A thousand <laughs> jars of light. <laughs> thousand jars of light. Um, Not going to do it. I, I've consistently mentioned in podcasts prior how simplicity is not a bad thing and can be quite nice if it's executed well. And I, I believe... I've used the Beatles as an example of this. So it should be no surprise that I quite like both the original tune and this cover. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I will definitely include it in my best of playlists. So spoiler alert there. I think there's a lot of material that I put above it, but it definitely deserves to be on there. Hmm. So I would give Oyoko a very solid 4.1 jars of light out of five. Okay. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. I'm going to be the contrarian on this one. Um, Just like John. I like this version more than John's version. Um, And I think it's just because of the fun versus the tenderness. And I I just love the fun that I hear coming from Steve and Ed and the rest of the band with this version. And I sing along with this version more than John's version. Um, yeah, I can see that. And and so, like to me, I I really really love this version. I would say that this is possibly the second best cover song that they have ever done. It's a very mm. good. It's a very uh, good cover. Wait, what would the your old- first be then? The first would be uh, uh, "Lovers in a Dangerous Time." Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. Like that—that—that's a pure five for me because they outdid the original, in my opinion. This one is really, really close to John's version, um, so I'm going to give this one a four point five. Nice. 
So, and I and we don't know yet what Stefan and Jeff will give this. Uh, we'll hear about that probably at the end of the year. I know that you couldn't okay. make it this week. You have a new a new job and all, so we're, it might that take a few correct. weeks before we can before we can get you uh, again. But we'll try doing this until then. Yeah, well, I'm not sure when uh, I'll be available. So looks <laughs> like I'm going to be working um, the overnight shift down in Scarborough. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. It may be a while. It might be a while. Yeah. But we we want your opinion. So so what is your opinion on this song? Well, um, it's short. uh, That's for sure. Um, I it being kind of a tribute to John Lennon. um, I expected it to be you know have a little bit more meat on its bones. Well, I, I thought the lyrics were were limited, most definitely limited. Um, I can see how he was possibly trying to emote emotions through uh, through just how he was, you know, how he sung the song, rather than um, anything else. But Naked uh, Lady is doing it. The instrumentals were great. There was a harmonica in there that was pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and um, uh, the lyrics, uh, well, they didn't butcher that because if it's uh, best cover, then <laughs> that's the same, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I didn't think too, too highly of the song uh, because I thought it was very overly simplistic. Okay. Um, but the instrumentals were great. I don't know who was on instrumentals, but I thought that was solid. They really pulled that off. Um, at least it was weak and lacking in that front. So that being said, um, oh, what did I rank this song? Uh, let me see. I think I ranked it like a one point seven five. One point seven five. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's short. The instrumentals were great. Um, lyrics are like meh. But, you know, it's okay. <laughs> I would never put this on my playlist, uh, much less put it on an album. For, but hopefully John Lennon's was better. I think, yeah, I think BNL kind of sung it like uh, Yoko was, you know, a, a pet that made a mess on the, on the rug. And they're like, oh, Yoko. You know what I mean? It's like, now I got to clean that up. <laughs> so anyway that's my take on things all right thank you sir um but yeah oh you're very welcome hey i i went back and i reviewed um, a couple other songs if you want to hear them well you know you sent me a list of all the songs i had missed in uh in 2021 and i started reviewing those uh but uh i also listened to uh the past couple songs that i had missed um, due to uh, communication to my phone, to um, my schedule being off, et cetera, et cetera. And I believe the two songs are um, Off His Head yep. uh, and Off the Hook. That's correct. So, But I also went through and I uh, listened to another postcard. Uh, I also listened to another spin, um, All Blong Lang Sign. I can never pronounce that, that song. Um, and... Uh, I was uh, in the process of listening to Baby Seat as, uh, as I signed, got signed on to your, your Zoom call here. Well, um, I'm going to start off with uh, Office Head. 
And uh, I liked it. It was a pretty decent song. Um, I think the instrumentals were pretty good. I think uh, I think that's the, the part that I liked the most is the instrumentals. I wasn't too sure about the uh, the lyrics uh, or the singing. I thought it was yeah, it's okay. Um, but it was it was a good song. I see uh, the point of uh, the meaning of it. It's like uh, when somebody gets angry, especially with a dad, he gets off his head, and they were talking about how he gets angry and you know how his reactions when he's when he's going berserk and gets really angry. So I see that. Uh, as far as song, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I didn't think it was the best. I didn't think it was the worst. And uh, so I'm going to rank it um, 3.25. Now, I, I listened to Off the Hook back-to-back uh, -back with Off His Head, and um, I probably shouldn't have <laughs> because it made Off His Head sound a lot worse and uh, Off the Hook sound a lot better. So <laughs> um, I like the sound of Off the Hook. I like the sound of Steven, that Stephen brings to the band. I think it's great. I, I think the music that was behind it as well was just solid. Uh, just it sounded great. It was a good sound. I would put this on my playlist. Um, I would lift listen to this quite a bit. I also like like the lyrics. I think the lyrics were um, quite uh, not necessarily poignant, but I mean, it was pretty cool how he is associated with different things uh, having to do with relationships. And I thought that was that was really really nice. I like that, and um, he brought up some a lot of truths within the song. So that being said, I would put it on my playlist. Uh, I liked it as a whole. And um, I'm going to rank this thing a 4.5. All right. So uh, let's, let's move on to another postcard, if you don't mind. Yeah. That one was weird for me. Um, <laughs> that one was weird. Uh, not only about singing about chimpanzees, Maybe I just didn't get it. Um, it had a good beat to it. I thought the content was bizarre. Uh, and I kept on getting like a, a hint of another band. And I couldn't tell if it was if it was Sublime or if it was Smash Mouth or I can't tell you what. But I think it was like an, another 90s band. And I'm like, man, this sounds, sounds familiar, but I just couldn't put my finger on it. Just couldn't do it. I didn't know who it was, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Did anybody else uh, bring up anything like that? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think uh, I, I picked up a little bit of Sublime in there, I think. Okay. I don't know, but something about it kind of. Uh, it had to do with the instrumentals and the sound as a whole. Um. I, I wish I knew songs better. I'd be like, yes, I know the song, and this is what it is. That's uh, that song from Shrek, I think. Oh, okay. You know? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I'm not musically inclined. I think that's Smash Mouth. Anyways, that's kind of the vibe that I got from the song. Okay. Um, unfortunately, it, it didn't bring up my score any. Uh, I thought it was just above average. I would not put this on my playlist. Um, because it's just weird. Um, so 2.75 is my ranking for another postcard. Okay. Yeah. 
So uh, then I listened to another spin, and um, I found it quite monotone, kind of humdrum, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Uh, the instrumentals, again, are great. You know, everybody's delivering on the music aspect of things, and it's just awesome. The lyrics, I, I couldn't really, I got them, I understood them. Um, they're poignant, as, as always, with Bare Naked Ladies. I think the the song itself was kind of monotone, and um, I think that's how they designed the song. But I, <laughs> I didn't really like it too much, so I thought that was below average. I never put this on my playlist, so I'm going to rank that at two. Okay. Yeah. So, Auld Lang Sign. Hey, I think I said it right. You did? Um, I, they couldn't have done it per- more perfect. I thought it was awesome. I mean, it gave me goosebumps like the original song does. Um, I thought it was just great. It sounded great. Steven is fantastic. And I think Ed took over one um, one part of it too, didn't he? Yep. And, um, <laughs> yep. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I thought it was perfect. The instrumentals were perfect. They gave honor to the song. Um I found no flaws in it whatsoever. I, I, I have to rank that a five. Wow. I have to do it because it's, it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Sung perfectly. Music was perfect. Everything was perfect on it. Very interesting. So, All right. That's, that is the right. highest score for that song. Oh, no doubt. Huh. Cool. Well, I mean, it can, be, it can be bad. I've heard bad versions of the song. Oh, that's nothing that they did bad. No, it's great. It sounded great. I loved it. Um, I would put it on playlist actually. (laughs) Uh, But um, uh, going on to uh, Baby Seat. Ah, Baby Seat. Ah, that one was interesting. I didn't finish the song because I had to get onto uh, Zoom here. Uh, So I got through to the second chorus, not second chorus, but second second whatever um verse i guess you could say and i thought it was lyrically and meaningly an excellent song because i wasn't sure what to make of it and it's like they're singing about look you need to grow up you need to get out of that baby seat and then um i think they were singing about Mary Magdalene and Jesus. Some people about, have actually had that that thought. Yeah, and I'm like, wow. I don't think I would ever tell Jesus that he needs to <laughs> get out of the baby seat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So that was interesting for me. I think it's supposed um, to be um, more of, at least this was the take that we we kind of came to, although I will agree with you, for a very long time, I also kind of had that same take on it, um, especially as second verse kind of has, has a lot of um, symbolism that kind of gives that feel to it. Uh, I think we finally kind of came to the idea of a, of, 
the it being a woman who is following a um a false prophet a a maharishi a you know some sort of of uh person who ends up being not truly what he says that he is um and and lear- she learns that she needs to grow up and and needs to um no longer be following false idols and and be herself ah. okay yeah i can see that but i i uh, agree with you like for a very long time that was my take on the song as well well i mean this is t- taking a lot of stuff directly from uh, uh, some of the scripture. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, there's a lot about kissing of the feet and um, washing the feet, and then uh, I mean, of course, as far as we know, Mary Magdalene did not sleep with Jesus. So, because right. um, that was also in that that verse as well. Yeah, <laughs> which was different very much different yes um, but as far as that goes um i thought it was smooth i thought the music was very smooth um i thought the lyrics were smooth um i think it was very standard bnl um as far as creative um great music um uh the, the rhyming and the uh the the lyrics were i think really really good very poignant and made you think um and i think that's good classic um bnl right there so um i haven't come up with a ranking for baby seat uh but i'm going to come up with one right now um but i i really liked it i thought it was good so i think i'm going to rank that um a a solid four um but i do have another uh cover that I have for our appearance this week. Um, and the reason I'm using it for an appearance is that it's not really BNL covering it. It's Page, Stephen Page, Kevin Hearn, and Stephen Duffy covering uh, Paul McCartney's junk um, for a tribute <laughs> album for Paul McCartney in 2001. Um, I'll admit one is... Junk is definitely not one of my favorite Paul McCartney songs. Um, It's not even really up there at all. It's probably in the lower end of my register of Paul McCartney songs. Um, Hearing Stephen and Stephen's harmonizing high and low harmonies on that, though, were just so wonderful. Um, And it's just beautiful. Um, That's the only beautiful part, I think, of that whole song. But the rest of it is really, really cool to kind of just hear them doing a Paul McCartney tribute. I'll have to check that out. It's interesting since uh, Duran Duran was on that, that uh, Amnesty International album. Now we've got a mm. Stephen Duffy song. Did you do that on purpose? I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I've always been, as far as the solo work, I've been a Lennon guy over uh, a McCartney guy. Although yeah, I'm definitely on team uh, Band on the Run slash Live and Let Die. I don't know about you guys, as far as, <laughs> as, far as my McCartney tune. I, I like I like new Duran Duran rather than older, like pre, pre Stephen <laughs> Duffy. I like Duran new Coke Duran. said nobody wow. ever. Nobody Except ever. for Max Headroom. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, 
Heidi, do you prefer old Duran Duran or new Duran Duran? I prefer the new car smell. No, <laughs> are you I like no, old old Duran Duran? Because I was in middle and high school with old Duran Duran, and like that was part of like getting up and going over to my friend's house to watch MTV and watching you know Hungry Like the Wolf videos and stuff. I was like totally. Well, but I don't so, think well, she Tracy, was when you part say new Duran Duran. You mean like post two thousand, like the reunion? No, yeah, no. I mean like oh, that's what I thought you were talking about. like pre Duffy. Oh. Oh, post Duffy. Um, post Duffy. Definitely I, I like post Duffy better. Yeah, no, I was thinking you were thinking like <laughs> what what I consider Duran Duran okay. it's, versus okay. 2000. That's a little different, like, yeah. Do you like old Genesis or new Genesis? Oh, Gabriel. Oh, are you Gabriel Genesis me? all night, all day, all year. <laughs> See, I disagree. I was, I'm a huge Phil Collins fan and it, and it because because and here's the story i growing up super poor and when i first got my first cassette mm. tape player which was not a real walkman it was a piece of crap like yeah, walkman yeah, yeah. with headphones and but the first cassette um our neighbor loaned me was um was face value and i listened to uh i can hear through these walls and it blew and and saturday night and sunday like there's so many good songs that that phil has come out with and but i became obsessed with phil which then brought me to genesis and like i really i saw genesis live um post obviously post yeah. gabriel because he left much earlier than than i saw them <laughs> in concert obviously um but i have an appreciation for gabriel i really love gabriel's solo work oh, yeah. in fact i think so is one of or and uh, like he has some of the best solo albums out there mm. um bizarre and i saw peter gabriel live Ooh, as well lucky. and he was amazing but uh phil there was something about Phil's like filling my ears as a sixth grader in a crap little apartment with these little tiny earbuds going um oh um uh don't let him steal your heart away mm, yeah. um like they're so oh getting into genesis is a whole like rabbit hole <laughs> i could go down but like i really love you know lamb lies down on broadway and i really yeah. love like there is some really cool stuff and i think genesis especially in the 70s and 80s like pre i think phil carried a lot of genesis style with him not just because he was oh, yeah, the lead no, singer totally. after he was drummer mm -hmm. but i think pulling him from the drum kit and bringing him forward really changed again changed everything for phil collins yeah. um, i don't think we would have the disney connection with phil <laughs> collins that we do now and all of the the other things that phil collins has done and not just in the air tonight obviously oh you mean but, look I mean, <laughs> oh yeah that's right oh that's my right. he's the police officer that's right, in um, well, that's right. I, I love phil collins don't get me wrong and he was in buster too did you see buster no not it wasn't terrible it wasn't, terrible. wasn't great but it wasn't terrible but yeah um it was a it was a movie about a train robber uh <laughs> and, and he named buster a real life okay. uh, a story a true story but not really that true <laughs> all right i got a harder question for you guys and jeff's not here so i can ask this do you prefer the old apartment or the new apartment? Oh, good segue. Good segue. <laughs> I didn't say that up really 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. Well, the old apartment smell is always kind of like home, isn't it? It's just, oh, um, yeah. I, I think I prefer the old because it's comfy and lived in. It's got that, you know, that 
feel unless it's full of dirty yuckiness and socks and stuff and then no. <laughs> like the old fish rack and but a brand new apartment has that new paint smell yeah. and the new carpet smell and yeah. it's just not it's not a good a little smell. chemically <laughs> yeah it's a little yeah it's too sanitary like well you know the old apartment has a dish rack and a and an old mouse trap so you know <laughs> Everything's going over my head. I, I know that that's got to be the new song for next week. That, but, that uh, is next week's song. And of course, by then, I hopefully we'll up. have Jeff back because he, we have yes. to have him on to talk about the, the old apartment. Like, we, we can't not have the guy who parodied the old apartment on for <laughs> the old apartment. Like One the, would hope. So... Yeah, we'll come back next week and join us for that. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking about this song with with the both of you. Like, I love this song. It really has. Now, Aaron and I have to start a new podcast about Genesis. Oh, my God. uh, Yes, I can can be Team Peter Gabriel. You can be Team Phil Collins. But honestly, I I love, don't get me wrong. Oh, my God. Debatable. Land of the Confusion. There's some great Collins stuff. Like, nothing. Oh, I, I, Land of Confusion. The video for Land of Confusion I, yeah. is still one of the most innovative oh, yeah. music videos. The crazy I think Muppets. Of all time. <laughs> but if they had uh, never with left, Reagan I, with his finger on the button. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. god. But, but if Peter had never left, we never would have gotten no, Steve. You wouldn't have gotten Invisible's touch. You no, wouldn't have gotten but, Well, we wouldn't have but, gotten any of his individual like we never really would have heard Steam or any of that individual stuff that he ended up doing, which was awesome. We might not even have um, uh, in your eyes. No, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Catapulted that's true. John Cusack well, we, to start. We wouldn't have had. Uh, anyway. We wouldn't have had Salisbury Hill if he hadn't left. <laughs> but no, um, I, I think, think of how many movies would be lacking appropriate oh. background songs. To me, to me though, it's because my mom was a huge Phil Collins fan, so I grew up listening to Phil Collins, and honestly. I, I credit Phil Collins with probably one of being one of the big influences of me becoming a drummer because my dad had this awesome stereo system. So we'd crank up in the air tonight and I would just hear those like super mic drums. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to do that. Um, but knowing Genesis as oh. Phil Collins Genesis and then going to music school and then meeting a friend who was like, oh, I think you heard the Peter Gabriel stuff. And then they gave me a copy of Nursery Crime. And I was like, oh, my oh. God, this is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're so right. Good. Yeah. And thinking, I didn't realize Space Valley, you came out in 81. Like you, that whole oh, album is so pretty much gold. Thunder and lightning is amazing. Oh. Roof is leaking, kills me. The roof is wi- <laughs> leaking, and the wind is howling. The kids are crying because the sheets are so cold. I still have it in my head. Yeah. I'm not looking at any lyrics or anything, but you know what I mean. I'm oh, not yeah. moving. I'm not going. His use of horn line. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Holy snap oh my gosh anyway (laughs) you would lose i would totally totally (laughs) to be continued just kidding to be continued oh Oh my gosh well that was awesome yeah Yeah. we get we get to hit a uh a song next week that is going to be i I, it'll be interesting if it's divisive i i highly doubt it will be divisive but it'll be an interesting discussion Mm. Oh, it will. And I, but I'm team the old department always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's why I said Jeff's not here. We can say that. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. 
Yeah. Thank, thank you, you, everybody. Thanks, Aaron. I'm glad time. it was a threesome tonight. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's all right. I'm single again. We can say that. <laughs> Trios are better than duets. Trios are always better than duets. Yeah. A triad is better than an interval. It's true. Oh, true. there's a music reference. Because you, so you don't, you know, otherwise, you know, you're not getting all the, uh, all the qualities of the chord. All right. Right. Exactly. We're good. Have a We're great good. Week. We're so smart. I'll see you guys next week. All right, everybody. Yes, Tuesday. Good night, next everybody. Week. Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe one. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.